0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 16 of the Juice Box Podcast. This episode is called Talking Celiac and Diabetes with Megan's Mom. Brandy is Megan's mom and Megan is an adorable little kid who has type 1 diabetes and celiac. They are also from Canada, so most of this episode is spent with me making really strange comments based in absolutely no reality. Um, it turns out that much of what i know about canada i learned from a cartoon in the 1970s don't forget everything that you read on ardensday.com or here on the juice box podcast is not to be considered as advice you can go to the bottom of ardensday.com or juiceboxpodcast.com for a full disclosure but always 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 consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan all right here we go moose and squirrel
1: Hi, I'm Brandy, I'm Megan's mom, and we are listening to the Juicebox podcast from Alberta, Canada. Hello? Brandy? Scott?
0: This is unbelievable. Uh, This is, I don't even believe this is going to still happen, even though you and I are talking right now.
1: Well, we'll, we'll (laughs) wait and see.
0: (laughs) In case I leave this part in for everyone who's listening, I've never rescheduled an interview with anyone. Brandy's interview I've rescheduled nine hundred times. At <laughs> it's least always been my fault too. It's never once she's been she's never once backed out. And so you are an angel for putting up with this. Thank you very much. I don't know how you drew the unlucky card. Um, I
1: it's the story of my life.
0: <laughs> Is it really?
1: <laughs> Me and Murphy don't get along so well. I'm so
0: sorry. Do you, want to, do you want to get right going? Would you like to um, introduce yourself and, and tell me why you reached out and, and wanted to be on the podcast?
1: Uh, sure. So my name is Brandy. Um, I have an almost 12-year-old daughter who has both celiac disease and type 1 diabetes. And I just thought it would be uh, neat to throw a little bit of a Canadian perspective onto things.
0: So let's start on something that has absolutely nothing to do with diabetes for a second. Sure. One of my very favorite Twitter feeds is the Royal Mounted Police, the RCMP. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Why do people in Canada stab each other so much? That's my question for you to start out with. There does not seem to be any person-on-person crime that does not involve a stabbing. Have you noticed this or is it just something I'm getting from the Twitter feed?
1: I think it's probably just something you're getting from the Twitter feed.
0: <laughs> there is other crime then, you're saying?
1: Oh, absolutely. There most certainly is.
0: And and the one I heard where a moose ran into a car, how frequently does that happen exactly? And I don't mean the car hit the moose. I mean the moose ran into the car. How frequently do we hear about that?
1: Moose running into cars? Not so much. No cars thing. hitting moose? All the time. All the time. <laughs> well, depending on where you live. Where I live, it's quite frequent. <laughs>
0: So where about do you live without giving your exact location away?
1: Um, We live at the base of the Rocky Mountains in Alberta.
0: that sounds beautiful. But then again, I'm American, so everything sounds kind of exotic to me.
1: It Uh, really is absolutely stunning.
0: Okay, okay. How is it? Are you rural? Yes. How does that affect your your diabetes care or does it
1: not? It does. Um, Our endocrinologist is a three-hour drive away. We have, we have a really, really good community hospital here Mm -hmm. and our daughter's physician is.
0: (laughs) Brandy got disconnected. (laughs) Nothing's going to go right for Brandy. All right. I'm going to call her back. Maybe a moose ran into her. Wouldn't that be crazy? And when she says moose, don't you think moose and squirrel? I think that right away. All right, we're trying again. Oh, it's raining. It's This is exciting. Here we go. Hello? <laughs> Did a moose hit you?
1: <laughs> no, but I told you about me and Murphy.
0: <laughs> you were just starting to talk about the hospital, and then you were gone. And I was like... I know. I really am never going to get this interview done with Brandy. Okay. Um,
1: our, our rural hospital is fantastic, and Megan's uh, position is fantastic, but anything diabetes related unless it's like urgent care mm-hmm. has to go through the children's hospital in um Edmonton and that's three hours away. And so. that's
0: a dog sled? How do you get there exactly?
1: Oh no, there, it's the j- highway. I'm joking. It's a four lane highway. It's a very nice highway. <laughs> <laughs> We're not that far north, Scott. <laughs>
0: um, okay. So I know nothing about Anything that's outside of my own life that we've already learned very quickly, Um, and and so you're going to teach us a little bit about something else that's outside of my life that I don't know anything about, which is the the mixture of type one diabetes and and celiac. And so let's start like with a couple just little small small things. Like, how old are we? We are saying your child's name because we yes, her name is Megan. Megan and Megan is how old right now?
1: She is three weeks short of 11.
0: Okay. And when was she, or sorry,
1: three weeks short of 12. Oh, she's going to hang me. (laughs) You
0: just, you just, you know, it's okay. Listen, you can blame the, uh, the Skype confusion. Um, so just about 12 years old, when was she diagnosed? How old?
1: Uh, she was diagnosed with celiac disease, um, about six weeks short of her sixth birthday. Mm -hmm. And then she was diagnosed with diabetes when she was eight and a half. Oh,
0: okay. So the celiac came first. It did. And, and how did that? So, so what was living with just the celiac like? What were the the adjustments and the long term
1: um, implications? Initially, it was a bit of a pain in the backside. She was a very very sick little girl before she was diagnosed with celiac disease. But it took us a very very long time to get the diagnoses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With a lot of persistence on our part um we knew what it was but we couldn't get the doctors to listen to us okay. to actually do the tests so she was sick for probably a good three years before we got her positive diagnosis and after what is, she what does
0: being sick mean like uh,
1: being sick um timing how long to the minute after she ate something that she would be ill okay um sick to her stomach very badly she did so much damage from being sick that she ended up with acid reflux because she damaged her esophagus
0: so there was there's after she would eat something that i don't want to say didn't agree with her but something that i guess she's allergic to. something that
1: had gluten in it
0: anything with gluten in it she would vomit then
1: that was best case scenario. Best,
0: yes, I see. That was well. Then okay. So we'll um all imagine worst case scenario, but it, it involves probably the other side. Yeah. So she's a young kid going through this difficult to understand. It takes you years to get a physician to listen to you. Why was that?
1: Um. Well, so to start with, my husband has celiac disease.
0: Okay. So you, so... Did, you weren't just guessing; you knew.
1: We knew absolutely, right, right. and um... <laughs> she got disconnected again. This is
0: hilarious. Hold on, just stick with me for a second here. This one might end up. I'll edit out the big gaps. <laughs> By the way, I just got a text. My son got a very good grade on a uh, algebra two test. Very proud of him. Way to go, Cole. Not as proud that he's texting me from school. <sighs> oh my gosh. Hold on a second. Uh, it's interesting to see how the sausage is made. Most of them don't go like this, actually. I think Brandy's uh, interview has been cursed. Uh, here she comes. Hello? Sounds perfect. Well, we'll see what happens. I know what's going to happen, but don't worry. It's going to go fine the rest of the way. I'm not touching anything, by the way. Not that I'm saying you are, but I just want to let you know it's not. I'm not punking you, I think is what I'm saying. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay. So, Megan's got a. Megan has celiac disease. We're going back a little bit, but so does your husband. So, you know what you're talking about when you go to the doctor, yet you can't get them to even test for it.
1: No, after they did the first test and it came back negative, that was the end of it. We Um, wouldn't
0: hear of it ever again. Pretty much. A negative is negative like levels of something because my wife had a very similar um, experience with an endocrine issue where she knew for sure she was having a thyroid issue and they tested once and the levels came back and said normal. And that was that nobody ever wanted to help her with it again.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. They did the blood work and it came back that she didn't have any of the antigens mm-hmm. that were indicative of celiac disease. So that was
0: it. So did that make you believe she didn't have it?
1: At first it did. We thought maybe it was lactose. Okay. Or so you, something else. So
0: you start chasing a whole bunch of other tails, trying to figure out what it is.
1: We did. And she wasn't growing. Okay. Um, which was a really, really big indicator. Uh,
0: how does how do you treat celiac? Like, what's the treatment for it? Is it is it just dietary?
1: It is actually.
0: Okay, so did you just make the switch on your own at some point?
1: We did for a test period. We mm-hmm. did for um, the spring break. Okay. When she was in kindergarten, and it was amazing the difference. And then we went back, and of course. For the tests to come back positive, you have to be consuming the poison.
0: I see. Okay.
1: So then we went back and I went back to the doctor and I said, look, I did this two weeks ago for a week and this is what happened. I need you to do the test again. And I honestly think the doctor did it just to humor me, Mm -hmm. to shut me up because I was being a pain in her butt. So then a week after we did the blood work again, the doctor called me and she said, you're never going to guess what happened. I said it's positive, isn't it? She said, "Yeah." And she told me what the antigen levels were and I was floored. In Canada, you need an antigen level, a protein count of 7, mm-hmm. to be have a positive diagnosis and Megan's came back at 21,000. Oh,
0: okay. Well, then more than 7. It was highly <laughs> positive. <laughs> And so then does the doctor send gifts to the house or they're just flowers? (laughs) How does that work? How does that work? No, it
1: was, it was just a, well, I guess we know what's wrong with her.
0: (laughs) So you were relieved and angry
1: at the same time, maybe? I I was just happy that we knew what it was. Um, We ended up, she said, just do gluten-free. So we did that. And then we found out a little while later, we actually had to go see a gastroenterologist. So we did, and they wanted to do a biopsy, but to do the biopsy, she again had to be consuming gluten for six weeks. Oh. Which, in the end, wasn't a bad thing. Okay. So we did an over-summer vacation, so it kind of wrecked her summer because she was feeling pretty rotten. Mm-hmm. However, she went from being really ill to feeling better to being ill again but knowing what was making her sick. Mm-hmm. So in her mind, she knew, and she was old enough that she didn't want to go back and repeat that feeling again.
0: Okay. And does, so that, that was, does that help her now? Do you think that moment helps her now in real time when maybe she has to make dietary decisions that aren't popular for a little girl to make? Do you think that Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, she remembers.
1: Absolutely. She is very, very vigilant um, as far as anything containing gluten goes because she gets very, very sick.
0: Okay. And and so, when did the growth pick back up after the gluten stopped?
1: Unbelievably so. No kidding.
0: Now, is she back to where you would imagine that she was going to be had this not happened? Like, has she caught up, I guess, I'm asking?
1: Yeah, I think so. Wow, that's crazy. She she seems to be where she needs to be on the growth chart. She's still small, but mm-hmm. she always will be.
0: Yeah. What is it about ingesting gluten when you have selected that stops growth? Do you know?
1: I do. It's so when her body detects gluten, her immune system sees it as an enemy. It is an autoimmune disease,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. same as type one diabetes. Unfortunately, what happens is her immune system attacks the lining of her small intestine, Ah. killing it thereby therefore preventing absorption of nutrients.
0: Oh, and so there's, a repair of that after the gluten stops, or is it? Eventually, uh, uh, so it's not been damaged beyond repair. It, it slowly rebuilds itself.
1: It does, and it took about, I'd say, probably about four years. Wow. Because her damage was quite extensive.
0: Sure. That's insane. I feel so terrible about that, just because you knew going in, and then, and then you get kind of you know falsely thinking, well, maybe we're wrong, even though it It really is the power of your doctor's suggestion, right? Like you do want to trust them so badly that you're willing to believe something that you know maybe not be true because a doctor's telling it to you. Yes. So how old was your husband when he realized he had it? Oh, he was diagnosed when he was an infant. oh, okay. very right. so like some formula problem like I, I
1: I'm not entirely sure how it worked. Mm-hmm. um his mom had just told us that he was about, I think, 18 months old okay. and he was very, very sick. And when he was a baby, it wasn't really a common thing. Nobody knew about it. And they happened to live in a large center and they got lucky when they took him to the doctor and it was somebody who had seen it mm-hmm. a couple times before and admitted him to the hospital right away. And they did a stomach bi- biopsy and found it.
0: And yeah, that's something, that's crazy. Okay, so poor Megan goes through this whole thing. You find out what's going on. It probably feels like a huge weight's finally been lifted. you then, how did she make out with the transition to the dietary needs? Was that difficult?
1: for the gluten free no, not at all. No. She was pretty. There was some things that she really, really missed, mm-hmm. but I think she was so happy to be feeling better that she didn't care
0: okay, okay yeah so so okay. Now so the reason I asked that is so at two about how is it about two years after the celiac then you find out about the type one?
1: Yeah. She was it was about two and a half years.
0: Kinda of take me through that a little bit. How, what were the what were the signs and and how long did it guys, take you guys to, to figure out what was going on? And how did you
1: figure um, it out? Looking back, it was probably about six months. But hindsight is twenty twenty, of course. Sure, sure, sure. So she, you know, kind of miserable, not really herself. You put, you know, it's easy to write things off, right? Oh, they're tired. Oh, they're growing. Oh, she's coming down with something. Absolutely. And then just before Christmas that year, um, my husband broke his leg quite badly and he had to be taken into the city for an operation. Now, I don't want to make light of this, but
0: was it a moose? No, not a moose. it wasn't. It was freezing rain. Hey. See that seems Canadian to me. Here so you so go. he was attacked by freezing rain. He we'll, was. We'll get back he, to that. Um, we'll get back to that later <laughs> when we talk about Sasquatch when we get to that part. So, okay. <laughs> so, sorry. So okay, okay, so your husband really hurts himself and and you he goes to the hospital, I'm sorry. So
1: then, yeah, so goes to the hospital and they send him home, you know, can't cast it yet, swelling's too bad. Come back in 2 days. So we did. And then we go back and they said, "Well, you've got to go to the city. For surgery, the break was worse than we thought it was when the radiologist looked at it. So we're three hours away from the major medical center. Mm-hmm. They took him in early, early in the morning by ambulance. We followed. Now, the weather was absolutely horrendous. And the roads were probably the worst that I've ever driven on. Right. So it was a bit of a stressful situation. She's not feeling very good. Understandable. Right. We get to Edmonton. My husband's parents live in the city, so we have somewhere to stay. But she's just not herself at grandma and grandpa's. She's clingy, she's whiny, she's just not feeling very well. Okay. Then, you know, you kind of, we're back and forth to the city every couple weeks because of appointments for follow up. And this goes on for six weeks. Okay. In January, we went to san diego i was going on a business conference my husband and megan were supposed to come of course my husband couldn't fly megan still came and she was miserable Mm -hmm. she didn't feel well she was tired we spent a day at legoland and she cried because her legs hurt and to the point where she couldn't walk right You know, she wanted me to carry her by the end of the day. Now, keep in mind, she's eight and a half years old. Yeah, yeah. So this is very much not a normal behavior.
0: Do you have any pictures from that trip?
1: I do. But I, and I've looked. Yeah. I I know exactly where you're going and I've looked, but I couldn't really see it. But I think because it was so sunny there, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, she'd gotten some color.
0: Right. It sort of changes things, yeah. No, I know what you mean.
1: You know, but you could kind of see, you know, she had the dark circles under her eyes and stuff like that. And so we come home, and she's drinking a lot and drinking a lot. And I originally thought it was because we had come home to such a dry, dry climate. Because where we live, it's, it's almost like a mountain desert. So, you know, your skin is dry because it's, well, it's 30 below, and... There's absolutely zero humidity. Right. So you drink more, right? And you're just trying to get back to being not at sea level and reacclimatizing yourself to our altitude and everything like that. And it, this went on for probably two weeks after we come home. And then we had to go into the city for a follow-up for my husband. So we had left her here. And my parents live in the same town as us. Okay. So... She had went to school. I had dropped her suitcase off at my mom's and things like that. And it was just one of those kind of in the back of my mind going, I wonder if she has this, but no, she can't possibly. Because I grew up with friends who had type 1 diabetes.
0: And it was starting to look like that to you.
1: So I was like, yeah, you know, I wonder, no, it can't really be. And you just kind of write everything off. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to do. And the Friday before, she had come home from a cross-country ski trip, and it was beautiful. It was, like, some weird Mother Nature anomaly, and it was, like, warm enough to barbecue. Right. So we had had hot dogs for supper, because who doesn't want barbecued hot dogs in February? Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's – and she didn't want any. And that's, you know, like – what eight-year-old doesn't want barbecued hot dogs
0: like in the middle of winter like it's a crazy treat and everything it just seems exactly. really strange, right and she, yeah.
1: she chose not to eat dinner so she went to bed she didn't feel good she woke up the next day and you know she had a fever mm. and was sick to her stomach so you think the stomach flu right? right and this went on and then on the monday we had to go to edmonton for my husband's appointment she actually called my mom's house and said, Grandma, I don't feel well. I feel like I'm going to pass out. You know, please come and get me. So my mom went and got her. And she went to mom's and she napped all afternoon. Yeah. Totally out of character. She got up and mom said she just, Grandma, I'm thirsty. Can I have a glass of water? Grandma, I'm thirsty. Can I have a glass of water? And finally my mom said, we're having dinner. You can't have anything else. You're not going to eat your supper. Right. Grandma, can I have a glass of milk? And she drank a liter of milk at dinner. Jeez. And then, you know, was thirsty after supper. So, my mom called me, and she's telling me this. And so I had said, "Can you keep track? Write down everything else that you notice, because now I knew what it was." Yeah. And I actually called the doctor from Edmonton and made an appointment. But of course, I couldn't get an appointment for two weeks.
0: Is this the same doctor that you couldn't convince? No. No. Okay. No,
1: we switched doctors shortly Ex- after that. Excellent. But I still couldn't get an appointment because it's small community.
0: Not a lot of doctors, a lot of people. Like
1: lots of doctors, but yeah. lots of people. Okay. So it's you know it's very common to, when you call and make an appointment, you're looking at three weeks out.
0: You should have said you were Wayne Gretzky. It would have. It doesn't small. work. No.
1: Small town. Everybody knows everybody. <laughs>
0: everybody knows you're not Wayne Gretzky. Damn it. Everybody right, knows I'm not mind. Wayne Gretzky. See, I would have bought it, but God. <laughs> so, so, so did you
1: actually have to wait two weeks? I. D- the appointment was for two weeks out. Right. We drove back to Hinton the next day and it was something was off. Something was off. And I thought, okay, this is ridiculous. And the tipping point was the next morning she got up and got ready for school. And when she walked out the door to catch the bus, my husband looked at me and said, something is wrong. She is not herself.
0: Right.
1: So I went, okay, it's not just me. I'm not imagining things.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, Even he's noticed.
0: <laughs> Even he's noticed. He doesn't notice anything. Well, was that, normally, is that the, yeah.
1: <laughs> normally my husband works 12-hour dates.
0: Right, right. So
1: he's not generally home. Now, he was home with a broken leg, so yeah. he wasn't working. So he really could see it.
0: I got to see her, yeah.
1: So I thought, okay, this isn't me. I'm not imagining things. So I went to work, and I spent that entire morning calling the clinic going look she needs to be seen please figure something out call me back get me in whatever i didn't get a response didn't get a response so then when she came home from school that day i had her little bag packed you know with her uh game boy and you know and i said we're going to the clinic i don't know how long it's going to take because we had to go for walk in
0: right
1: and she looked at me she's like okay She didn't even complain about having to go to the doctor. Yeah, she probably didn't have enough energy to complain. And exactly. So I took her, you know, we sat there. I think we sat for like two hours before we got seen. We went in and I told the resident exactly what was happening. And I was going to request that they do a urine test had he have not said it. And he said, Mm -hmm. okay, let's weigh her and then we'll, you know, do a year analysis, and they weighed her and she stepped on the scale and my heart just dropped. She had lost between our trip to San Diego and that appointment, which was about three and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. She'd lost six pounds. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. And, and on a
1: little girl who doesn't have very much to lose. I was going to say
0: she didn't weigh that much to begin with. right? She really didn't. Yeah.
1: And, and, um, and he looked at me and he said, well, how do you know she lost that much? And I'd said, well, I was weighing the suitcases and she said, Oh mommy, let's see what I weigh. So I had a definitive number in yeah. my head that I knew what she had weighed. So then when the urinalysis came back and he came back into the room, and he said, I need you to go take her to the hospital. We need to run some more tests. So I looked at him and I said, she has glucose in her urine, doesn't she? He said, yeah, and ketones too. Mm-hmm. So I'm a smart enough mom that I knew what that meant.
0: Yeah.
1: But he wouldn't tell me anything he wouldn't give me a definitive diagnosis because they hadn't run the blood work. Right, right, So I said, you know, do we have time to stop at home for her to get her doll and for me to tell her dad what's going on? Now keep in mind, small town, it's like a seven minute drive from the mm-hmm. clinic to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So he said, yeah, go ahead, but go quickly, they're expecting you. So I got up there and they took her into a room and they come in with the glucometer and it just came back high. So then the lab tech came in and they did a blood draw and all that stuff. And the doctor came in and he said, Well, I have some bad news for you. And he didn't even have to say it. I looked at him and I said, She has type one diabetes, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. He said, Yeah. So that started the process. Came back, her blood glucose was thirty nine point nine, which equates to seven eighteen. Wow.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you did the math because I never I never know how to do that. But did you just did I hear you typing? Did yes. You, so, so you know the formula that tells you? Yes. Oh, you share
1: that real quickly with everybody? From, millim- from millimoles per liter to milligrams per deciliter, you multiply by 18.
0: By 18. All right, then. Now we're learning things. This is excellent. I always see people put their pictures up online, and I'm like, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I can't <laughs> tell. I guess I could have used Google to figure it out, but uh, okay. But we saved it for now, so that's really cool. So, if just very quickly, Um, if I said to you, Arden's blood sugar is a hundred and how would you figure out what that is for you?
1: So 5.5, 5.6 would be what it is in millimoles per liter. So just, you do it reverse. You just divide by 18.
0: Listen to We're doing math. I like the math. I'm not good at it. So that's why I like to let other people do it for me. Oh, there you go. And I I, love it. I could tell because while you were talking, I could hear the fingers. You were like, I'll just let him know what this means right now. It's excellent.
1: I have an adding machine on my desk. Do, Do you really? I do. That's
0: excellent. I love that. I Like, does it have a tape that comes out of it? Like, could you like... It does. Like, do you have to pull a handle at the end or is that just old time? No, All right. that's very old school. That's old <laughs> Why do you have an adding machine?
1: Um, my second job is I do books.
0: I gotcha. Okay. Okay, so there she is with a extremely elevated blood glucose. She's got ketones in her. They keep her for how long? How long do you guys end up staying at the hospital?
1: Five hours.
0: They sent her home that day?
1: Yeah. So we're, remember, we're three hours out.
0: Right.
1: So we, they weren't sure um, if they were going to keep her in center by ambulance or if they were going to let us drive her in. Right. And so then they communicated back and forth with the children's hospital and our family doctor happened to be the doctor who was on call.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so he advocated for us and said, look, these are smart people. I can guarantee she'll have her there. You know, you tell us what she needs to do, and that's what they'll do. So it was finally about 11.30 that night, and he come in and he said, okay, here's a letter of introduction. You have to have her at the stallery at by 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. She can't have anything with carbohydrates to eat, but she can have protein if she's hungry, give her eggs, cheese, things like that. Right. And there was instructions that if she started Vomiting through the night, or if she spiked a fever, I had to bring her straight back to the ER immediately.
0: Just gonna take a really quick break here to remind you that. Oh God, I forgot what I wanted to remind you about. Oh no, I didn't. Hold on, I remember. You can follow me on, you know, the social medias at Arden's Day or at Juicebox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. What else is there? There's all that other stuff. Anyway, it's a great way to keep up with the podcast and hear what's going on. There are past episodes that you can find at juiceboxpodcast.com. You can subscribe at iTunes. Or if you're enjoying yourself listening to the podcast, it would be fantastic if you went to iTunes and left a rating and a review. Because that's just really great if you can do that.
1: Um, I think that's pretty much
0: it. Let's get back to Brandy.
1: So we did that. We went home, I got her settled into bed and I packed right. because we didn't know how long we were going to be away. We had no idea what was gonna be happening. And I think I finally got to bed out, oh I don't know, two three in the morning. So there begins my
0: no sleep. Your no sleep that you were getting ready for it right away.
1: Absolutely.
0: And at what point does the Saint Bernard with the whiskey barrel show up and take her to the hospital?
1: Yeah, again <laughs> not so that's not happening how it works, here. Never.
0: Damn it. All right, never mind. Everything <laughs> I think about Canada is not true. <laughs> Shocking, and we don't live
1: in igloos either.
0: <laughs> that I didn't think. I didn't think you were in an igloo. That I just, I just imagined you lived at a hockey rink, next no. to a, next to a Tim Hortons. That's what I thought. But okay, um, so okay, so so this is really interesting because it's a much more slow pace. It's not the like, oh my god, oh my god, rush, rush, rush. Because her blood, Megan's blood sugar was. I, if I'm remembering correctly, around the same level as Arden's was, and they were treating Arden like she was about to, about to not be with us anymore. Um, did they give you a feeling for how close she was to?
1: They did. Okay. Um, she. They said had we have waited until the next day, mm-hmm. she would have been in DKA. Okay. So that was that was our saving grace was that she wasn't in DKA yet. Mm-hmm. She was very close. And that was the the reason behind, the of course, if she starts vomiting or spikes a fever, bring her back right away. Okay. But what they did do um, at our local ER is they did hang an IV and they did put her on um, Toronto insulin for a few hours. So it did bring her blood sugar down a little bit.
0: I say It bought some time probably.
1: It did. It bought us some time. Okay. So we got drove in the next day, dropped my husband off at his parents' house because he's still on crutches and we had no idea what was going to happen.
0: Because he was attacked by frozen rain. He really was.
1: (laughs) And of course, this is the middle of February. And again, it is freezing cold. It was probably minus 30.
0: I can't even imagine what you're saying. Like, I don't have a frame of reference for that either. Okay,
1: well, minus 30 Celsius is about minus 25 Fahrenheit.
0: So is that like snot comes out of your nose, freezes to your face cold?
1: It doesn't even come out.
0: It does. Because it's frozen. It froze up in your nose. Yeah. Okay, let's leave it at that. Okay, so so she. jeez. Oh so you guys are at the hospital, your husband who's been attacked by freezing rain has a broken leg, your daughter who um who were being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, you who has now been up all night long. You guys roll in, you must be quite the sight coming into the hospital. I would imagine there's no St. Bernard with whiskey to help you stay warm, which is a, no, a, there's a huge really not. letdown. And then we get her in there and what what's the What's the course after that? Are you right to injections? Is it pens? Do they talk about insulin pumps? How does it it go?
1: So to start with, they didn't even admit her. Oh. Everything that we did was all outpatient.
0: Is that normal?
1: Because she wasn't in DKA, yes. Wow, okay. And we had somewhere that we could be in, in the city. We weren't reliant on a hotel. Or anything like that,
0: I see. so you could you could bed down somewhere nearby the hospital and so they were comfortable. And then, so what's the process to bring the blood sugar down? because i I mean, did they want it to come down? I remember Arden's doctor at diagnosis telling us that it was very important to bring her blood sugar down very slowly,
1: yes, okay. Yes. So what happened? So we got there, and it was just before lunch. So it was about I think it was actually about a quarter to eleven. So it was fairly close to lunchtime. We got down to the diabetes education center, which is where we had been instructed to go. We Mm -hmm. checked in. They came and got us right away. The first thing they did was um, they checked her temperature, made sure she didn't have a fever, everything like that. They brought in this selection of glucometers. She got to pick the color that she wanted. And that was hers. And that was what they tested her with from there on out. Okay. And they did an in-office A1C straight away. So they, they tested her blood sugar. They did the A1C. And then they gave her her first insulin injection with a syringe. And they brought her lunch. And they said, okay, here's lunch. You eat what you think you can eat. And we're going to go from there. Eat what you would normally eat. Right. They made sure it was gluten-free. That was kind of the end of it. And we kind of started our day-long process of of introduction to type 1 diabetes. Yeah. So they sort of calculated how much she'd eaten and carbs and all that kind of stuff. And we came up with the beginning of a meal plan from there. We were there all day. They fed her supper there as well and gave her her supper injection. And when she started, she was on Humalog and Humulin N. Mm-hmm. And they sent us home with the first night plan. Basically, she could have, you know, two cups of popcorn and half a cup of milk and a cube of cheese for her bedtime snack. And that was it. And we had instructions to be back at the hospital for eight o'clock the next morning. And she wasn't allowed to have had breakfast.
0: So they just did with her what they would do if she was there, except you guys got to leave.
1: Except we got to leave. That's interesting.
0: How how did she handle it? do you think having celiac beforehand? Do you think it pre- prepared her more for this? Or I mean, because you're you're describing a lot of like there's a lot of kind of like starts and stops with this. You know, you're going to this place. They're saying yes, go to this place for a blood test. Now you're gonna go home and pack. Now you're gonna go have this happen. Now you're gonna go back to another place. Was she handling it well at that point, or did did it all? Or was it just so crazy? Do you not even know?
1: I think she was. Um, I remember driving from our house up to the hospital, and her going, "Mommy, what if I really do have diabetes? Right. What are we gonna do?" And I, I remember looking back in the rearview mirror at her and saying, "We'll handle it, just like we handle everything else." Right. And that was kind of the end of it. And it was, it. I think it helped that we took it in stride, and it wasn't a oh my goodness moment. It was a, all right, so this is what we got. This is what we got to deal with. Okay, let's deal with it. Now we'll do this.
0: Wow. So so tell me this because you, I see people talk a a lot online when they say, you know, I have celiac and type one and it's so tough. Is it tough because they somehow combat each other or is it tough just because they're two intensive different issues and you're dealing with them both 24 hours a day? Or do they actually conflict with each other somehow?
1: They, they do. If if she inadvertently gets glutened Mm -hmm. or consumes something with gluten, we do we see a huge spike in her blood sugar. Okay. Because of course it sets off an inflammatory response. I see. Which in itself affects blood sugar numbers, the same as allergies or a cold or anything else would. How frequently
0: do you think, even though you're being very careful, how frequently do you think that that happens where things are given to you that people think are non-gluten but they aren't? Is that a, a common occurrence for you or?
1: For us, no. No. No, we're pretty – we're very vigilant. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless we know where it's coming from and how it's been prepared, generally she won't eat it. She stays away from it. It's probably happened maybe a handful of times, generally in a restaurant environment.
0: Mm-hmm. How how much having um, celiac before type 1 do you think got you prepared for eating healthy with type 1?
1: We really didn't have to change anything right. um, as far as eating habits after her type 1 diagnosis, with the exception of we had to weigh things. Okay. She was already used to being eating differently than her peers at school. Right. So it really didn't change anything the biggest difference was that she had to eat a certain amount, whether she wanted to or not, whether she was hungry or not, and she had to eat at specific times.
0: Okay. And do you guys still manage the insulin like that or, or are you more We
1: do not.
0: Right, right. So how do you when do, how long did you how long until you were like, why are we doing this? And and then what was the, the next step for you?
1: So we really weren't given a choice in far as far as insulin management. Is that first that first little bit we went in We did outpatient on the Thursday and the Friday. We stayed in the city the Saturday and Sunday, and they actually had home care nurses come Mm -hmm. twice a day and do her injections. We weren't expected to know how to do them straight away. Okay. And then the Monday and the Tuesday, we were outpatient and we drove home from the hospital Tuesday when we were done, and home care had signed off on us and said, look, they know what they're doing. They're good to do the injections. You don't have to worry about home care back in their hometown. They're good. So we started off with two injections, two mixed injections a day, morning and supper time, Mm -hmm. set carb amounts and set times. We did that for probably, probably about six weeks on syringes. And then we switched to pens just for ease of dosing because it's really hard to do a unit in a syringe.
0: How difficult was that process? That idea of like, you're going to eat at this time and it's going to be this many carbs. Cause that's I mean, it's obviously restrictive, but it doesn't allow for any freedom at all. It doesn't sound like honestly, like was that the most difficult part of that? Do you think? And
1: yes, absolutely. Yeah. It was a Royal pain in the backside. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I just don't, it's hard for me to like contemplate, like, you know, this is how hungry you better be at, at dinner time. And the hardest
1: part, well, and if she was if she was still hungry, there was always sugar-free jello which we had on hand nonstop for the first little while. Right. The hard part was when she was sick. Okay. Because then it's what do you do? You still are supposed to eat this much? And you can't. And you can't. Yeah. And they didn't they don't cover sick day training until about two weeks in they covered the basis of sick day training and what to do when they're sick and that that was a trip back into the stallery for that they very much gave us bare bones what you need to know to keep your child alive at the beginning
0: in little bits why do you i have a theory why they do that but why did you feel like it was happening to you
1: so they don't overwhelm you and yeah. you don't run screaming for the woods. Yeah,
0: I said to my wife, I'm like, I think if they told us everything we needed to know, we would have drove off a bridge on the way home. Uh, I think I think that's why it, it it is given to you slowly. It's hard to agree with in hindsight, but because you think, oh, I wish I would have known. But if I could put myself back in those shoes and be that person again, maybe I think there is a lot of common sense to that. There, but, but I'm somewhere in the middle of that thought. Like part of me understands that it's kind of a least common denominator decision you know where you can't you know maybe there'll be some people who will be very overwhelmed by it some people who wouldn't be so they have to kind of dance down the middle but absolutely yeah but it's so hard to know like i can't i I don't know where i come down on that feeling like would i just want to know all at once or do i like getting it little bits by little bits or but so did she get did Megan get sick in the very beginning before you got the sick day training
1: she did actually the day before we were to go in she came down with the stomach flu
0: And and to your point earlier, this was expected because your entire life is like this. Absolutely. Gotcha. I see. (laughs) I understand.
1: So there was there was lots of phone calls back and forth to the twenty four hour endocrinologist on call, going, okay, how do we, you know, what do we do? What do we change? Um, They made insulin adjustments over the phone and said, okay, do this, do this. You know, if she if her ketones continue to rise, call us again. Do this and this. Right. And of course the entire three hour drive in, she was very ill and her ketones just continued to rise. We got into the city and we called them back and they're like, no, you need to bring her in. So she ended up in the children's emergency room, because she... which in itself was an entirely horrendous process mm-hmm. because they know nothing about type one diabetes. That's
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: Even in the children's emergency
0: room. The, well, I just sit here trying to feel like I'm trying to, think about what I would feel like if I was a little kid on a three-hour car ride while I was sick, being attacked by rain and moose and just trying to make that whole traverse. All right, listen, this is when we're going to jump <laughs> off, Brady. How, did, how, the, how the heck did your husband's leg get broken by frozen rain? Go ahead. Uh,
1: we'd had we'd had rain the night before and then it had turned to snow sometime in the early hours of the morning and he was shoveling the driveway so that uh, Megan could get down to the corner to mm-hmm. her bus stop and taking the garbage bin down to the street, and he just slipped oh, and landed on it wrong.
0: How is he now? Is did it heal okay for him?
1: Uh, he has a plate.
0: Wow. Jeez.
1: And seven screws.
0: Unbelievable. That's crazy. And a moose didn't run him over while he, after he'd fallen, right, or anything like nope. that. Uh, nope. Nope. Oh, Jesus, that's crazy. You it was just do have totally bad fluke. luck. That's no Tell us some of the other bad luck things that have happened in your life that aren't health related. Just run down the top six <laughs> as they pop into your head.
1: Um, okay. I don't know. I think they're all health related. They're all health
0: related. <laughs> you get the health ones. Is there um other endo issues in the family?
1: Um, my mother in law has uh, autoimmune thyroid disease. Mm-hmm. So there's that. That's those are the only endocrine issues. Okay. But there is other autoimmune disease in our family.
0: That's, uh, it, it, they, they say it really does run like that.
1: It really does. Yeah,
0: yeah. I know we have the similar, I've mentioned it in the past, so it's not worth saying again. But the women on Kelly's side of the family all seem to have some different um, autoimmune issue. Um, and her grandmother had celiac but not really diagnosed until way late in her life, which was really interesting
1: yeah that was my husband's grandfather as well
0: yeah i just thought that being sick to her stomach was part of who she was for a really yep. long time yeah that's yeah. which is crazy to begin with okay so <laughs> jesus so um having they usually say that having type one makes you more likely and it's not the diabetes it's just that having one autoimmune issue makes you more likely to have another autoimmune issue so a lot of times when you're diagnosed for type one a celiac test is coming pretty quickly afterwards. Yes um, And so what can people look for? Uh, whose kids have type one right now? Like what what are they looking for if they're wondering if celiac is an issue for their kids?
1: Any type of intestinal distress so vomiting diarrhea cramping Failure to thrive is a really big one if they s- kind of stop gaining weight or stop growing mm-hmm. unexplicably Lactose intolerance is another one These that
0: are all, all warning signs that maybe you should that be is asking. a
1: big warning sign of celiac disease.
0: Okay, and I think that for the people out there listening, you're no one's going to say to you, no one's not going to listen to you because if your kid already has type one. That that's already something they're thinking about too. So if you're seeing those signs and you bring it up to your endo, I think um,
1: I, and absolutely, and yeah. and your endo would be the one that I would bring it up with. Right. Especially if you happen to have a, a GP who maybe doesn't see it very often no. or doesn't know a lot about it. If you happen to be able to see your endo on a regular basis, right. that would be where I would bring it up for sure.
0: It, yeah. Wow. Okay. So Megan, is she pumping now?
1: Or she is. She is. Cool. She is. They, uh, we started pumping a year and a day from diagnosis.
0: Wow. Uh,
1: That's pretty quick. Well, we switched to Penn six weeks in. Right. And then they had switched. So she was still on the two insulins, and they had just moved her long-acting to bedtime. Okay. And they actually talked to us about pumping that summer, and we weren't ready. We felt that we wanted to have a better working knowledge of the disease before we made that switch. Okay. And they looked at us and said, Are you crazy? You're doing everything you need to be. Why don't you want to be pumping? And we just weren't there yet.
0: Yeah, you take your time. You do think you make decisions like that based on your comfort. I mean, as much as anything else, I think.
1: Well, and we wanted her to have a good handle and working knowledge of the disease as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in the fall that year, I said, Okay, this is ridiculous. I want a sliding scale because we were still restricted to carb amounts and times.
0: Right. Oh, it sounds horrible. It really does.
1: So so we were granted a sliding scale of 1 to 15 for supper time only. But our times were the same. And all of our other carb amounts had to stay the same because she was on a long-acting insulin.
0: Right. I was going to say, that decision, that that idea of of doing the management that way has a lot to do with the insulin you're using.
1: It does. And part of the reason they put us on that insulin regimen has to do with our school system.
0: Okay, go ahead.
1: We don't have nurses
0: at all. So there's less likelihood of a of a low they think they they think they have the science of this worked out pretty well. You eat this much.
1: And 9 parents out of 10 cannot get to the schools to do an injection at lunchtime.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And the children are not allowed to inject themselves at school, and no one at the school will take responsibility for overseeing an injection.
0: Okay. That's, that's horrible and interesting. Um, okay. So now that she's, but, but she's allowed to give herself insulin with an insulin pump
1: while she's there without? Yes, absolutely.
0: It's interesting. There's not much difference other than facilitating someone using the needle, I guess. Yeah. And there's
1: no exposed sharp.
0: I see. Okay. Wow. So no nurse ever in the school? No. What happens if, what if someone's attacked by a Moose or frozen rain, what do they do then exactly? Call 911. That's it. Gotcha. That's it. And does that, let me ask you a question because that sounds so off-putting to me being from here where some people, you know, I know some people still don't have nurses at their school. My daughter has multiple nurses at her school, ironically, and doesn't use them. But what, how does that make you feel? Does that just seem normal to you or does that? It does. Yeah.
1: It, we've. I was shocked when I started reading blogs and found out that there was places that actually had nurses.
0: I had nurses at schools. Okay.
1: Because they just don't exist here. I guess. Definitely not in Alberta. And I, for the most part, I believe there are very few school districts in Canada that actually have school nurses. And
0: is this because in Canada you raise your children to be tougher than we do here? Is that like, no, it's
1: because there's no funding for there's them. There's
0: no funding for your. Like, and these kids are just as weak as yours. Um, so, okay, so it is a it's a purely financial issue. You think if there was overflowing money, they would put nurses into schools?
1: I don't think they would.
0: Yeah, because it works.
1: It it works. Okay. No and then there's of course you. Then you would get into legalities. I'm sure
0: where you start thinking like that's a lot of responsibility for the nurse to take on. And if she makes some sort of a mistake. So, a lot of... well,
1: and and then is there really a need for it right, uh, from the school district's point of view?
0: Right. It's interesting. I mean, it really is. It's just such a different concept from the one that I'm used to that, that hearing you say that is like crazy. Like it sounds crazy to me as crazy as it sounded to you when you were like, there's schools that have nurses in them. that That's, that's really interesting. Um, Wow, okay. See, we're learning a lot about Canada. There have been a lot of misconceptions that we've cleared up and a lot of, and a lot of things we didn't know that have been brought to light. That that really is fantastic. And you do love hockey, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: See? <laughs> That's not gonna be a misconception, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. That's fantastic. Okay, so how how would you say that Megan's health is now? Or do you feel like things are enhanced? Well, phenomenal. Free? Yeah. How long did it take you to get to the point where you could say that? Um, a while. Yeah. Years? Probably. Yeah. I think that's right, though, honestly. It's yeah. so so much to take in and figure out that, you know, years is reasonable. I think there's so many experiences you have to have over and over again before you can even see the pattern of them.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and then
0: make good decisions that it takes that kind of time. Is she using any other kind of technology besides a pump?
1: She is. She is on an Animus uh, Ping insulin Mm -hmm. pump, still using the Humalog insulin. Okay. And we have a Dexcom G4 as well. Oh, cool. That's excellent. And it is. And Dexcom actually wasn't even available in Canada until 18 months ago. Okay. And we, as soon as it was available, we had our endocrinologist write a script for it.
0: Is that something you heard about online?
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: that's something. Um, okay, I had a question that just slipped right out of my head. Darn, that doesn't usually happen. Um, technology, no, 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 you hear me? Yeah, these are me, me going back through my thoughts. That's okay. Um, I'm lost. Where did my thought go? You might be bad luck for me too. <laughs> I now realize that all these reschedules have nothing to do with me. <laughs> this is your Murphy's Law thing rubbing off all the way from Canada to me in New Jersey. I, Absolutely. This, none of this was my fault. Um, so you know what, too? I just sent my lawnmower out to be repaired. I thought it needed a starter, and the whole motor was shot. I'm wondering if that's not your fault at this moment.
1: Yeah, no, that one's not me. <laughs> no, do not put that
0: on me. <laughs> um, how, do you con- how, how do you and Megan, do you talk during the day while she's at school, or does she, is she completely autonomous? How do, how do decisions get made?
1: So, we're kind of lucky. I am a teacher's assistant. At the school? That's my, at her school. Okay. Which is nice. Yeah, sure. Um, for the most part, she is autonomous. Hmm. However, the beginning of grade five, so almost two years ago, mm-hmm. we made the decision to get her an iPhone so that there would be less disrupt- disruption in her class. Right. For her classmates, as well as her teacher, as well as the class that I was working in, because she would just call my classroom yeah, if she needed something. Or she would, you know, walk to my classroom, right. And now- depending on what was happening. And um, so she was losing, even though she was still in her class, she was still losing instruction time because she was on the phone or waiting for me or something. And so when we got her the iPhone, her teacher was thrilled it was great because she was able to just quietly send me a text from her desk and then it sat on her desk until I replied. She could use the timer if she was low, set it for 15 minutes so she didn't forget to retest anything like that.
0: I, I have to say that the an iPhone is a huge part of how we take care of Arden too. And, and it's been pretty indispensable, honestly. Um, it's fabulous. Yeah. yeah, It really has. And it's tough because like, it sounds so strange. Like I bought my, I bought my daughter an iPhone when she went to kindergarten, which, you know, made every other parent in my town angry at me uh, because their kids were running home and like, why why can't I get one of those? Um, but it also, for people who think, oh, a cell phone in the class, it sounds like it's disruptive. It is actually the complete opposite of that now. Like it's so, it's so kind of, you know. Under the cover of night, when she does things that I, her teacher will tell me all the time, she's like, I don't even think I would realize she had diabetes if you didn't tell me. Yeah. So, you know, you know, like she's like, I do look over once in a while and, you know, she's texting or something like that, but I don't even know for what, you, you, you know, like when she's talking to you. It's not like she comes to me first and says, I have to talk to my dad. And she's like, it happens, you know, so in the moment very quickly and you're in and out of it. it she's like, it's less disrupted than if she stood up and said to me, I have to go to the nurse. So. Yeah,
1: and that's been a huge thing for us too. Yeah, for us too. And it's you know it was very well spelled out that she was to use it for diabetes purposes only, okay. and heaven help her if she was caught using it for something else because it would quickly disappear. Yeah. So, so
0: in in the states, you have a five hundred four plan that covers stuff like that. Is there something similar in Canada, or is it just a? I wish agree- it's just a gentleman's agreement. I wish. Yeah.
1: It is a lot of back and forth, and she does have a written medical plan Mm -hmm. that I wrote. Um, It's not written, there's no doctor's orders, there's no anything like that. The children's hospital gives us kind of a basic outline, and we take it and make it our own.
0: Right. And then the school agrees to it. Have you ever had them throw their hands up and say no to something? Yes. What was that?
1: We have had a couple of teachers not be terribly cooperative and I th- think in their defense it's more they don't know. They're
0: afraid, right?
1: They they don't understand because they don't live with it. Yeah. Um there have been, you know, a couple instances where phone calls had to be made, conversations had to be had with the principal. For the most part, we have been very lucky. Mm-hmm and i think me working there helps because i can mitigate things before they turn into a problem right
0: but but still you're not getting like the you're not getting a professional courtesy they don't just blindly believe you because they know you and they work with you it's not that easy
1: no so, it's not okay unfortunately
0: and so that's just does that what does that feel like to you like to me it sounds like just that that how people are so willing to just undervalue what diabetes is. Is that what you think? I think
1: that's exactly what it is, is it's it's put off as a disease that, well, if you just eat what you're supposed to and take your insulin, then you're fine.
0: Right. So if you're having a problem in their eyes, you're causing the problem.
1: What happened? Right. What did you do wrong? You know, did you forget to eat? Did you take too much insulin? You what know, there's you,
0: no... Always what did you do? Yeah.
1: yeah, There. it took a long time before... The realization that, you know, she took her insulin, but her blood sugar is twenty because she has a cold. So right. three sixty, because she has a cold. Right. Or her exam. You know, she's writing an exam and she gets exam anxiety.
0: And then the 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 um the stress pushes pushes up her blood sugar. Pushes up her blood sugar. And you're not. And are you using? So, but you can bolus for that even with the Humalog, right? Yes. You, you can bolus Yeah, time.
1: absolutely. Okay. It's, right. It works exactly the same as a PDR, just not quite as quickly.
0: Okay, okay. Um, I remember what I wanted to say earlier, so it's going to seem a little disjointed. After, but, That's okay. Yeah, so I think it's interesting that when you go and you get diagnosed, when any of us are diagnosed, and then someone hands you insulin and says, hey, this is insulin, that in your mind you're like, well, this is insulin. Like someone handed me... A certain brand of insulin at diagnosis, and I thought then forever and ever that that was insulin. You got a different kind of insulin. It's it's just interesting and worth thinking about for a second that that's not the only kind of insulin there is in the world. Just like it's not the only meter, it's not the only insulin pump. It's not the just because your hospital says, "Look here, it is," doesn't mean that's the only one that exists. But but your brain is sort of trained to feel like that, like okay, well this is the insulin. And and so I always kind of encourage people, like, not to jump around, but you, you can do your own diligence, you know, and, and, and look into things and see if what you're using is what you would be using if the decision was given to you, if you were allowed to make a decision and not just have it handed to you. And so um, I don't know that, that like I said, it's completely disjointed now out of, out of context from where we were talking about it. But maybe if people hear it, they can go back and their mind. I
1: think it's a fabulous point. Yeah. Um, where we are and I'm not sure if it's that a isn't widely available in Canada or if it's just not widely used Right. for the most part, it's uh Nova rapid and Humalog are the two rapid acting insulins that right. are,
0: I would think, that are use. Yeah. I would think that the Novo Nordisk insulin, you know, whether you're somewhere where it's called Nova rapid or somewhere it's called, you know, Nova log or whatever it is. It's the, it's the same insulin. Um, I I would think that's got a huge market share. That's, that's probably got to be the bigger one I would think. Um, and then Lily's insulin, I would think is probably pretty large too. And then a is a very small, I don't, I hardly know anyone who uses it actually, which makes me fearful all the time that, you know, that the company is just going to up and decide it's not worth their while, but, but it really has uh, been fantastic for Arden. But, you know, I mean, my, I guess my, my further point is, is that all, you know, insulins are very similar, but at the same time they're different. So if you're having an issue with one, it's possible that that issue might go away with the other with another. Uh,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, so it's always worth looking into. Um, you know, if you're having unexplained highs or lows or things that seem really out of character, it's possible a different insulin might give you a different result. So, ask your doctor, I think. Brandy, I can't tell if we've been talking long or if most of the time was spent trying to reconnect the calls. <laughs> Did you I have no idea. I don't either. Did you um you know, because you're like I said, you're the one who was like, Hey, I know we've got celiac going on and diabetes over here. Do you feel like you said everything you wanted to say, or is there, did I miss anything or not get anything out of the conversation that, that you wish somebody would know?
1: I think the biggest thing is know your kid and don't be afraid to push to have tests done. Yeah,
0: you got to trust yourself.
1: You got to, you got to trust those instincts and you got to trust your kid when they tell you repeatedly that, Oh, mommy, my tummy hurts that it's, you know, they're not trying to get out of a test all the time or they're not, it might not be that something is bugging them at school or, or wrong with their friends. They legitimately could be not feeling well, even something as simple as my tummy hurts. They may not be able to explain how their tummy hurts or why their tummy hurts, but when it goes on long enough. Go to the doctor.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just really, you have to, you absolutely have to trust yourself at some point. And you'll see if you're newer diagnosed and you're listening to this, the longer you live with diabetes in your life, you'll see your level of understanding will start outpacing that of your doctor. Unless they live with diabetes like intimately, they they, they have type one themselves or a child with it. It won't take very long for you to sit in that office and wonder like, do I know more about this than he does at this point? You know, you know, and and. Trust your, I, I always say trust yourself and, and advocate really hard for
1: yourself. And I must say, we're incredibly lucky. The town that we live in, our family physician is hands down amazing. Yeah. He doesn't live with type 1 diabetes. He has no family connection to type 1 diabetes. But when I come in and I say, look, something is wrong, he listens, he believes me, and he runs tests to find the answers, because we only connect with our endocrinologist now, actually, every six months.
0: Okay. Uh, so you're doing it twice a year, and that's working out okay for you?
1: We've only just switched to twice a year. I see. So you're not sure yet. We do, but I have them at my disposal. So I can email them mm-hmm. and say, something's not right. I've uploaded all of her numbers. Can you look and see what I'm missing? Because I make all the changes myself as okay. far as her... Basal rates and everything like that, and mm-hmm. they taught us how to do that. And it is completely expected that we make our own changes. Okay. But call them if we need guidance. Let me. You ask... know they they tell us we're there for them, but we can do it on our own.
0: Okay. I I, I want to ask you. I know we're here a little long. I'm sorry, but let me ask you this. So, do you not have the same overnight worries about lows that people who are using more fast-acting insulins are are having?
1: Oh, absolutely, I do.
0: You still feel the same way about it? Yep. Okay, and the Dexcom helps you with that still?
1: It does. We are lucky enough that... We're not lucky enough to have Dexcom share because it hasn't even been submitted to Health Canada for approval. Okay. However, our house is laid out such that her Dexcom receiver can sit on my nightside table and still pick up receiving. So I can roll over, take a look at it, and I know where her blood sugar is. I know... If she's dropping and the alarms wake me up. Which is nice.
0: Yeah. Do you experience a lot of lows at night?
1: It depends. We have been the last few nights. Mm
0: -hmm. It ebbs and flows
1: and it It ebbs and flows. I'll get everything sorted again, then I'll have her basal rates changed and then she'll grow again. (laughs) Or hormones will happen again.
0: Is that starting to happen? Are you hitting that spot?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Huh? And
1: let me tell you, I will take a growth spurt or an illness over hormones, hands down. Oh really? Oh yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I guess to have to have that because I'm still. You're
1: you know, not there yet. No,
0: no. We've had growth spurt um, recently that messed with things pretty well, but you know, I don't think we've had any real puberty issues yet. So. Oh, you'll know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'll know. Will I be more tired than this? Yes, yes, you will. <laughs> I don't think that's possible, honestly. Um, Just the other night again, I had somebody come up to me, and they, they like, this woman I know who's a nurse, and she touched my face. She's like, look how dark the circles under your eyes are. And I was like, I'm okay. She's like, I don't know if you are. I'm like, I'm fine. Don't worry. But I met a, um, I did a, I did a a talk at a children's hospital in Long Island, New York, this weekend. And afterwards, I was talking to a lot of the parents, and, and one of the people who came up to me, she was, her children were. Uh, she had two little boys, and one of them was very newly diagnosed back in December. And she was telling me about, you know, what she's doing overnight. And the one thing I said to her was, "I just want to, I just want to warn you that for a number of years I thought I was doing okay with less sleep." I said, "But it will track you down at some point, and and it, it and absolutely it will does get the best of you. It's the, um, it's the frozen rain of diabetes parenting. It will find you. And so, um, you know, I told her, I said, I I very kind of boldly and st- stupidly thought I was the one person in the world that didn't need to sleep as much. And and now that it's caught up with me, I'm having a really hard time like turning that clock back.
1: Yep, you, you know? it, it's very hard on your body.
0: Yeah, so uh, so my advice is to uh, find, find that balance as quickly as you can before you get to the point where people are touching your face and going, look at how dark the circles are under your eyes. <laughs> And like I said, or, in...
1: or commenting at work, going, Oh, you had a rough night last night, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. You look tired. I
0: actually had somebody, I think I said it in a recent podcast, somebody just came up to me recently. It's like, Wow, you look like crap. And I was like, "Thank, Thanks. Thanks.
1: Oh, uh, yep. I really appreciate that. Thank you so
0: much. I didn't know, by the way. <laughs> I can't tell when I look in the mirror and I don't look like myself.
1: Telltale sign of a growth
0: spurt. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Okay. Uh, Brandy, I am so sorry that it took me so many different times to get you. On the podcast, but I'm very glad that we got you here finally. And um, I I really appreciate you coming on. I want to wish you the best and and Megan the best and the plate in your husband's leg and whatever other (laughs) 9,000 things are going to happen to you this year. And I am going to send you a bill for my lawnmower because I think that somehow your bad luck has gotten through to me. Well, you
1: can send me the bill for the lawnmower, but there's no guarantee I'm going to pay (laughs) it.
0: Well, you live not.
1: It'll get lost in the post.
0: Isn't it true you live nine miles or or nine hours from the post office?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty close.
0: Oh my gosh. Everything I know about Canada is from a cartoon in the 70s. I just realized. (laughs) (laughs) I have no knowledge whatsoever.
1: Well, maybe you need to make a trek across the border, Scott. Oh my
0: gosh! I, I oh, wouldn't that be nice? I'd love to go anywhere. Um, I do. You guys have some like islands out on the east coast, right? Like some, yeah like, That sounded nice when I looked into it one time. All right, listen. If I ever get rested up, I will come to Canada.
1: There you go. But it's a pretty big place.
0: I'll find a spot close to you. And I'll, All right. And and then that way I'll have somebody there that um. At least if something bad's going to happen, I know it'll happen to you and not to me.
1: <laughs> you come somewhere close to us and I'll make sure you don't get attacked by freezing You, you right.
0: will absolutely keep all the bad stuff off of me because <laughs> it'll be right on top of you. Oh, Brandy, thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you, Scott.
0: Have a good night. Bye-bye. Just real briefly, I want to mention that in the last episode with Karen from Diabetes Blog Week, I threw out the call for people who wanted – who may want to write their own blogs for Blog Week but didn't have a blog of their own to put them on. And I got a nice response and, and met a few new people who are kind of outliers in the diabetes online community who became part of it by getting their voice out. I really want to invite you to go to ArdenStay.com and read what they wrote. It was absolutely fantastic. In that same vein, if you are interested in being a guest on the Box podcast, go to ardenstay.com or juiceboxpodcast.com, scroll to the bottom, click contact me and reach out because that's how we find our guests. Um, you could be the next Brandy and I could say things about where you live that are completely false. Okay, until next week.